All right, now back in making his 10th appearance with me here on Next on the T is not only one of the top instructors in the game, but like I said at the top, one of the great friends I have on and off the air, and that's Rob Strano. Rob is the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, which you can find on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, and Blab TV as well. Let me remind you a little bit about Rob's background. He's from St. Louis, Missouri. As a junior player in the St. Louis District, Rob won the Individual Low Stroke Average Trophy and Individual Points Championship Trophy back in 1981. Played his college golf at Centenary College in Louisiana. Played out on the PGA Nationwide and the Hooters NGA Tour for about 15 years, and he won five times out there. Rob is annually recognized by U.S. Kids as one of their top instructors, and he's also one of the few in the game teaching it to deaf children. Rob has his Strano Golf Academy at Kelly Plantation in Destin, Florida. And as always, I'm very honored he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Rob, how are you, my friend? Rob Strano here. Chris Mascaro, are you there? I'm here, Rob. I'm with you. Chris, great great to have you. Next on the Tee. Whoa, one of the top podcasts in the universe. Chris Mascaro, the host of Next on the Tee. I don't know if there's a, a podcast any better than this. Chris, great to talk to you again. Let's start this off right away with a fill-in-the-blank question. Are you ready, Chris? Here we go. (laughs) Fill-in-the-blank. As you get closer to the green, you get closer to the blank. What do you got for me, Chris? Closer to the ball. Exactly. One thing players don't do is they don't get close to the ball as they get closer to the target, especially when you putt. Boy, you get close when you putt. But also, chipping, you see players that kind of set up in their full-swing setup, Chris. And they don't get in there closer, and they really struggle with contact. Very good, man. You know, great, you're a great player, so I expected you to, to get that one perfect. And, you know, being a great player, Chris, one thing our listeners want to know is they want to know, when you play golf, Chris, what's a shot that you fear or struggle with? Oh, I'm terrible out of the bunkers. Like, out of the bunkers, what, what is your struggle? Do you have fat, thin? Is it offline? What's, what do you struggle with the most, Chris? Yeah, it's, it's it's probably a combination of those two things, Rob. I'm either I'm either hitting it fat, leaving it in the bunker, or I'm blading it way across the uh, to the other side of the green. Gotcha. Well, you know, one of the keys in the in the bunker, Chris, for for you and and all the listeners of the show tonight. Once again, we've got Christmas Carroll with us, one of the top golf podcasts in the universe. Is you want to keep your center in place. You don't want to be shifting your swing center around or your low point. So when you get in the bunker. You kind of want to get yourself 60-40 on that front leg, and you want to stay there. The problem with thins and fats is up and down movement and side to side. So when you get in there, really get your legs strong, Chris. Lock yourself in place and try to feel more of an upper body action with your hands and your arms. I bet you find you clean up that low point, and you stop blending it and hitting way behind it and hitting fat. And, you know, at this time of the year, we're always thinking about fall golf, Chris, and it's a great time of the year, and one of the things we've missed in fall golf this year is the Ryder Cup. You know, tell me, what were your thoughts on the Ryder Cup not being played this year? Oh, disappointed, just like everybody. I mean, that's one of the highlights, and we look forward to it every other year. Now we got to wait a whole other year. We'll go three years before we get to see it again. So disappointed for the fans, disappointed for the match. So, um, yeah, kind of let down it uh, that we weren't able to do it. But understand why. Without the crowds, it's nothing. You know, that's an interesting point. The players said without the crowds, it's nothing. But let me ask you this question, Chris. If this is about playing for your country and it's about the game of golf right now, which is roaring right along despite what's going on 
ancillary to us in the, in the world. The game of golf is wrong, and it's about playing for your country. Wouldn't you think a great decision would have been to play the matches and maybe mic up all the players, let them be heard, everything that goes on, and let them go play for their country and just play the Ryder Cup and not make it so much about the money? Yeah, and I hear you, Rob, and I don't think it's, you know, certainly about the money, but I think without having the crowd behind you, I think that's part of the allure of the Ryder Cup is that sort of home course advantage and how, you know, sort of jacked up all the, the local fans get and the, the yelling and the screaming and all that sort of stuff and rooting for your, to your point, rooting for your country and rooting for the players representing your country. So I, I, I just think minus that, the Ryder Cup loses a little something. My, my view is it's an honor to play for your country. I'll, I'll play with fans, without fans. You can put the cardboard cutouts like they've got in baseball out there. <laughs> I'm going to play for America and play for the good of the game. <laughs> Indeed. I get you. So at, at what point did I lose control of my own show? Where, where did that happen? How did, how did that happen? Ryan? I just want to see, I want to see how long it would take or how hard you'd work to get control of that. <laughs> hey, if, look, if life's not unpredictable, it's a boring travel, isn't it? Indeed. I agree with that now. <laughs> so, Rob, I, I, I want to get into a lot of things with you tonight, but I, I really want to just start off with how, how are things there in, in Destin, Florida? I mean, you guys were sort of right in the path of Hurricane Sally. You had a had a lot of it sort of down in that region. How did everything clean up in Destin? We were really lucky. You know, when it turned back to the east and punched Gulf Shores and the Pensacola area, we got a, a ton of rain. I think I even sent you a a, a gift from my TV show where I did a Carl Spackler in my own backyard, ankle deep, or actually, you know, mid-calf deep in, in a pond in my backyard in the middle of the prairie that's not normally there from all the rain. We got 15 to 20 inches of rain, and I was out there doing a segment for my show about how to hit it out of maybe unexpected deep water in your own fairway, and I had a blast doing that. But um, we did okay. We, we had, you know, a few winds down, lots of pine straw. Lots of water, but we didn't take the, the punch like they did over to our west. Rob, one of the, the themes of tonight's show is going to be around distance. And, you know, we're hearing, um, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is going to put a 48-inch driver in play at the Masters. And I, I kind of want to get your thoughts, you know, for from a strategy perspective. When you think about, and you and I were at, at Augusta National, you and I have both walked that golf course and we know what it looks like. And, you know, I, I think Bryson is going to try to drive every green that he possibly can. Your thoughts on that as a strategy. Is that the right way to go when you're thinking about playing in a Masters? This coming show that comes out this Wednesday on the Golf Kingdom, I actually talk about 13 and 18 at Augusta. 13, he can actually drive it into the 14th fairway. The dog leg is irrelevant to him there. He doesn't have to turn it. He can hit it up the left tree line straight and hit it out on the 14th fairway and probably hit no more than a wedge into 14. And 18, he can take it over the bunkers like they used to and hit it out in the old practice area and once again hit a wedge in. So there's no dog leg to any of those holes. But what I did was I did this. If he averages 340 yards off the tee, okay, and you take away the length of the par threes from the overall Augusta number of like 74, 75 yards wide. It's like 7,475 yards from the tips. 
You subtract the par three and then take 14 tee shots times 340, subtract that number, take the remaining number and divide it by 14 approach shots. He would only average 140 yards in approach shots, which seems like the fairway bunker on 10. That's that beautiful decorative bunker down there. That's in play. He can drive into that bunker, Chris. Wow. That's crazy. I, crazy. You know, I can't imagine stepping up to the first tee and just wailing away at it and, and trying to drive the first green. I mean, everything about, you know, what could happen there. And, and you know, Augusta National won't take that lightly. So I'm, I'm just curious, Rob, what it's going to be like and, and curious to watch it because as we know, rough is not an issue at Augusta National. It's a second shot golf course. Well, if his second shots are a pitching wedge, God forbid he, he breaks 60 at Augusta National. I, everyone would lose their I, mind. I, I did an online poll on Twitter and I, I, it was, can, can, can Bryson, will Bryson break the tournament record? Can he shoot better than 20 under? And can he shoot better than 25 under? That's, that's the big thing. Remember, there's four par fives. And for him, he, the, the eighth hole will probably be the longest par five where he might hit five iron into it. Cause two is going to blow it over the bunker where the fairway is 70 yards wide and it goes downhill and sloops left. He may hit eight or nine iron into two. Okay. Eight, he might hit five iron into two. 13, he's going to hit wedge. 15, he's going to hit wet. I mean, there, I mean, he could, he could literally be 16 under on the part pop alone. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I, you know, I like I say, be, I, I know it's going to be must, must watch theater when he's on the golf course. Absolutely must watch. Agreed. So, to that end, Rob, where, where the game is starting to become, you know, starting to become, we've been talking about this, I think, for the last couple of years, a bomb and gouge sort of game. Drive it as far as you can. Doesn't matter if it's in the fairway or not, because if you have a, a nine iron, a wedge in your hand from the rough, you're going to get it on the green and you're going to score. It seems like the game, what the game has lost is sort of the artistry to it, right? The shot shaping and, you know, imagination and that sort of thing. And I, I may be the old guy that's screaming at the kids to get off my lawn. But that just doesn't seem like that, you know, the, you know, golf to me. That doesn't seem like, you know, at the pro level. For us, it's all different for, for, you know, hackers like me, but it, it's just not the, the same sort of game. Does, does that need to change or do we just got to accept the fact that, you know, this is how golf is going to be? It's just going to be hit it as far as you can and then wedge it on. And however far under par you get is how under par you get. I think the answer to that is yes. I think. And I've been on the USGA and the RNA for a long, long time. They've been totally derelict in the duty of managing the game, of paying attention to the game, protecting the game. They're great historical bodies, but when it comes to um, overseeing the game, they're pathetic. I mean, they're, they're, they're beyond pathetic. They're brutal. And I've always said the USGA ought to put together an advisory board. Why they haven't done that, I don't know. But it should involve key members of golf, starting with Mr. Nicholas, who has been saying things to them for about as long as I have, and they keep patting him on the head and going, oh, look at, isn't he cute? Look at, look at him <laughs> with all his major trophies. He's so cute. Go, go on. Go, go sit down. 
and just, you know, enjoy the golf over there. The guy's brilliant, smart. He is, you know, an asset to the game if you listen to him. And an advisory board would start, should start with Mr. Nicholas. It should have some of the top coaches in the game. I start with me and Michael Breed, who love golf like nobody else, who are knowledgeable like nobody else when it comes to the history of the game, who are fine players also. Um, I, I have a, several tour players, several of the top amateurs in the game, and, and hashed it out. But that's too smart of an idea um, to happen. And I think we're, we're stuck with where we are. There's no rolling the ball back. There's no rolling the equipment back. It is what it is. Um, you know, we, we use the word shot making, but a, a, word, a, a phrase I, I like better is we've lost the ability to have ball control, which means I have to control how the ball spins, that it doesn't spin too much and back up off the green into the lake, or it doesn't spin off into the bunker, or it doesn't overhook or overslice. You know, and I don't know that you can manufacture that back into the ball, but that's where we are. Um, you know, I, I think back to a shot I hit in U.S. Open qualifying way too many years ago where I was in a playoff and I drove it in the left rough because I wasn't going to be a chicken because there was rough left or rough left, out of bounds left. And everybody else in the playoff hit it 80 yards into the right tree. I was like, hit a shot here, have some guts, hit a shot. And I just pulled it a couple steps into the left rough. But I was behind a tree and I had to hit a hook, you know, around this tree, but I had that wall of trees in the right rough. And I hit this four iron that went 30 yards forward and 80 yards left and was just sizzling. You just can't do that now with the golf ball. And if I tried to do that now, I'd go straight into the trees across the fairway. And Rob, that's an that's an excellent point. I mean, we talk about the distance that the golf ball flies, but we don't talk about how much less spin it has, and not just spin from a wedge. And as you mentioned, you know, landing on the green and spinning back off, but side spin, right? The curvature of the ball for for if you want to slice it a little bit, you want to hook it a little bit. Not only the golf ball goes far, but it just doesn't spin sideways as much as it used to. So it's easier to hit shots straight online. Talk about that piece of it. Now, I'm going to preface it with this. All you listeners out there, I am not saying that you've got to play with the more spinny ball. The, the USGA has a conforming ball list that you can only use in competition. I, I have not seen the list in a while, but I'm pretty sure a tour player can't use a pinnacle. I don't think that's from the conforming ball list. So I may be wrong. I don't know. But there's a conforming ball list. So I'm saying you have a conforming ball for competition that has a spin in it. But everyone else, I've always been an advocate of that quote-unquote bifurcation of the rules to an extent. I think everybody out there playing for fun, you know, if you have a driver that's got an explosive charge in it, have at it, baby. Just be sure you wear ear protection, you know. <laughs> whatever you've got to have fun with golf and, and hit it farther or hit it straighter or that improves the game improvement stuff. It's a hard game and you watch it week in, week out on the tour. Um, it's a hard game, especially at the, at the level of the recreational player. And, you know, I said this on my TV show the other day, and I believe this to the 100th percentile. And I just did it twice in a lesson today. 
I said, if everybody that played recreational golf set up with their shoulders and arms arranged at setup, that you looked at them and you, you looked at them and you said, this player is going to hit a hook, not a draw. They're going to hit a hook. Their shoulders are closed and their left arm's higher than their right. I guarantee you handicaps would come down immeasurably, immeasurably over the next year if everybody endeavored to do that and you have a lot less slices of the ball, but everybody's the other way. The right shoulder's high, the left shoulder's back, right arm's high, left arm's back, and they're hitting the big peeling crop crop dusters to the right. Rob, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to get into some playing lessons from you and um, on a recent episode of the Golf Kingdom, I was watching your tips for how to putt on aerified greens. We all have to deal with, you know, our greens, our local greens being aerated once or twice a year. Um, talk about how can we do a better job focusing on the putt and not letting the thought about it's going to bounce and all of these holes and, you know, everything that can kind of negatively crop into our minds because the greens have sand on them and that sort of thing. How can we do a good job of just getting up there, lining up the putt as we normally would, stroking it, and like I say, make a good putt and not worry about that other stuff? Well, the first thing we have to realize is once we hit a putt, it's outside of our control. It's like a golf shot where I can control it in the air. I can make it go low, high, curve, right to left, whatever. I can control a ball in the air. A ball on the ground is out of control. The greens can be a gust of perfect and there are still small imperfections in the green. So the genesis of this thought happened on tour. I was playing a Monday qualifier in Cleveland at a, a fantastic Donald Ross course called Montekiki. If it's still there, you go to Cleveland, find Montekiki. It's a fun little course. But we show up for the Monday qualifier, and the greens have been punched like 10 days prior. And every player there was just complaining up one side, down the other. And Jay Haas told me one thing years ago, having grown up with Jay. Jay said, I loved it when I heard the other guys complaining because I knew they were already beat or something was already in their head. So I said, I'm not complaining. I got a putt on them. We all got a putt on them. I'm going to putt good. And I remember in the practice round, I hit a putt. And my thought was, I'm putting on a waffle iron. I can't control it once it leaves the putter face. So I'm not going to look up. I'm going to focus on doing everything in front of me 100% correct. Keep my head down. I'm going to hit it. I'm not going to look at the putt. I'm just going to hit it. And then maybe after a while, look up, you know, whenever I felt like it. And it's funny. I watched the next day. I made everything, Chris. When I say everything, I mean everything. I shot a couple under par. I finished third in the qualifier. Easily got the tournament. And I remember on 17, had about a 10, 15 footer for par. I had a, hit a good iron shot up the hill and it went just over the green. And I had a little bird nesty line that didn't come out and probably hit an airification hole and didn't roll down there. And my focus was do what you've been doing, do what you can in front of you, hit the best putt you can hit. Then after that, it's out of your control. And I remember looking up and watching the last five foot of the putt and it would have rolled, rolled in a thimble. It was perfect. I mean, it, it just rolled right in. And then on 18, I had a good shot right over the flag to maybe 20 feet down the hill. And I kind of Ginsburg it down there two feet from the hole. And I don't know if I've ever been more nervous over a putt in my life. 
because I had a two-footer, big moment, hadn't made a mistake all day. And I'm like, same thing. I'm not in control of this. This could go anywhere. And But my thought was, rely on what you've been doing. Do it one more time. And I hit the putt and went right in like it was nothing. Rob, I also want to get a, another thought from you around um, – a myth in the game of golf, and you talk about this in, in your uh, it's uh, just hot air segment, that the green always breaks towards the water. And I think that's something that I've always thought. And, you know, anytime I'm lining up a putt, even if it looks flat or if it looks like it, it might break back a little in the opposite direction, I always think in my head, it can't. can't break right. It's got to break towards the water. And now when you see that, you know, you talk about how, um, you know, the course can set it up and bulldoze it any way they want. So you can't always fall into that. Talk about how you take a look at a a, a putt that's seemingly going to break towards the water, but it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And I, I always laugh when I play at, at Torrey Pines in La Jolla and the San Diego Open. And they're always saying the Pacific Ocean to his left. It's going to go to the left. What's the scientific pull of the Pacific Ocean? How do you measure the pull of the Pacific Ocean on a putt, or in, in Palm Springs, it breaks towards India, or in Phoenix, it breaks, breaks towards the valley. No, it breaks where the slope is. So I can bulldoze a green and make it break. You can have the Pacific Ocean to the left. I can bulldoze a green and make it break all day away from the Pacific Ocean if I want to. Back when they laid out courses and they just looked at it and went, hey, let's put a green over there, and they kind of took a horse and drugged the ground and put the green there. Well, then, yeah, it followed the natural topography or slope of the ground. But in modern golf, they can make it slope anywhere. We've got two greens at Kelly Plantation, my home course at Destin, one where I did it on the TV show, where the lake, big lake, is on the left. You can see it in the video. I'm putting downhill. The lake is on my left, and the putt breaks six to eight inches to the right away from the lake. That's, it, it breaks where it breaks. And, and I learned that from Mark Sweeney in learning aim point green reading, where I read the green with my feet, I feel the slope. And, you know, your eyes fool you, but your feet won't fool you on feeling slope because it's something we do naturally. I mean, I stand on sidewalks talking to people outside of church, and I'll be standing there going, huh, this sidewalk's a 4% slope because I'm feeling with my feet, and I know how to evaluate it according to aim point. Rob, one more before I let you go. And, and you've also got a great tip around distance and how far you hit it based on curvature, right? We, we may, we may be a slicer of the golf ball. You know, one time I hit the shot of my life and I hit my seven iron, you know, 170 yards, but typically I'm slicing it. The ball may travel 170 yards if you really measured it out, but it's going, you know, 15 yards, 20 yards right. So I really not hitting it the distance 170 towards the pin. Talk about how to calculate distance and you know, kind of being honest with ourselves about what club we need to use. Yeah, exactly. And one, one way you can see that is take an alignment stick, which is really bendy, and push it along the ground so it touches the wall. Hold the end not touching the wall still, and then start to bend the stick. And you'll find the tip isn't touching the wall anymore. It is moving away from the wall. So because of that, that change in, in the radius and the curvature of the stick, 
if you're slicing the ball 15 yards, yeah, that one you hit dead straight that went 170, if you hit your normal 10, 15-yard fader slice, it's going to come up 5, 10 yards shorter than it will when you flush one dead straight. So you have to factor that into your club selection sometimes and understand that if there's a front right bunker, you may have to aim a little farther left, take a little more club to make sure you clear that bunker and give yourself an accurate representation of how far you hit the ball. Rob, before I let you go, remind our listeners about your great golf academy that you have there at Kelly Plantation in Destin, Florida, and all the different ways that we can keep up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's online or on social media. Well, gosh, do we have enough time left in the show for me to go through all that? I mean, um, as, as one other pro said, Strano, you're everywhere. And, you know, I don't know if that's true or not, but, you know, StranoGolf.com is the website where you can find out about the academy. Kelly Plantation sits a half a mile from the Gulf of Mexico. It sits on the south side of Choctahatchee Bay. We've got views of the bay, great practice facility. Um, you know, we've got all the technology we need at the academy. Um, we'd love to have anybody that wants to work on the game come visit us there. Social media, Strano Golf, on all the, the social media platforms. Um, the TV show is the Golf Kingdom. Um, as you mentioned, it's a variety show. We get some crazy stuff. This week's show open is the Kingdom Bunch. So if you hear this song, here's a story, a lovely lady. Well. <laughs> We're doing the Kingdom Bunch this week on the Golf Kingdom with all of the characters that I do on the show to help your game. So you can find the Golf Kingdom on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Regionally here in the South, we're on Blab TV, which you can also watch online or along the Gulf Coast on your local channels. Coming soon, I have the Golf Kingdom TV app where you can download the app seven-day free trial. All the shows are there. All the segments are cut out if you want to work on full swing, putting, bunker play, on course. All the key segments are cut out for you to go watch. I have a forum there where I'm posting daily stuff to help your game. All the guest segments are there. It's, it's the one place where you'll go and find all the Golf Kingdom stuff you need to, to enjoy watching a very, very fun show. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of everywhere and easy to find if you need it. Well, Rob, I can't thank you enough for uh, being generous with your time and coming back on the show. Always fun when you're here, my friend. I hope uh, we get to do it again real soon. Chris, Chris, it's great to be with the number one guy in golf, talk show host on Next on the Tee. Great to be here and great to be here again. I appreciate you, Rob. Stay safe, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. You bet. See you. See you, Rob. That's a great Rob Strano, S-T-R-A-N-O is the spelling of his last name, StranoGolf.com uh, is the website, and StranoGolf all over uh, social media. Uh, the Golf Kingdom, folks, it's it's a different kind of show. Like he says, he, he does a lot of different things. It's uh, it's the only golf uh, variety show you're going to find. Uh, but uh, in, uh, in with the fun, he, there's a lot of great tips and a lot of great information. Rob makes the show a lot of fun to watch, so uh, I highly recommend it. You can also get a tip on uh, on Amazon Alexa, so you can tell Alexa to enable the Golf Kingdom uh, app, and uh, you can uh, check that every day. Rob gives you a free golf lesson, so that's also a thing you need to do as well. So looking forward to catching up with Rob. Always a lot of fun. We'll get him back on the show again soon.